Uh, thanks to Micah Atkinson for that, uh, for that video. Would you stand with me? Let's read together Luke 15, 11 through 32. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that is in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would inhabit this place and inhabit each person in this place today, Father. Give us ears to hear. Give us soft hearts. Give us a willingness to change. In Jesus' name, amen. To me, this is the most magnificent of all the parables. uh, And one of the most magnificent stories ever told anywhere. I mean, 
the economy of this story and how powerful it is. I, I could preach several sermons about it, but I'm not going to do that this morning because you would not enjoy it. And by the time it was all over, you'd be so mad at me. You wouldn't want to hear anything I had to say. So I'll just preach one. I'll just pack several into it. How many of you were prodigals? Yeah, I was, for sure. And boy, does this story resonate. Does it mean something powerful? Uh, The way that the Holy Spirit busted the devil in the struggle for my soul, basically. Was I, was I was riding in the car. Some of you heard me tell this before, but I was riding in the car. I'd finally come to the place where I was going, oh, okay, the Bible's true. I need to give my life to Jesus. And boy, that means I got to go to church. And, uh, and the devil really started speaking to me going, hey, man, just chill. It's okay. You're all right with God. This is, this is cool. Just, you just don't go to church. That's okay. But you know God. You know, everything's great. And then the Holy Ghost goes, well, if you know God, worship him. Let's hear you praise him. Give us a good old hallelujah. And I was busted. In fact, I, what happened was I was in the car by myself and I went, praise God. And I turned crimson. It just started here and started all over me. And I was going, oh, no. I don't a bit more know God than anything. I am so far away from him. And I remember the the Sunday that I went, finally went back, which was the next one, by the way. I finally went to church and 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 the pastor said, anyone want to give their life to Jesus, stand up. Buddy, I just stood up, and I remember how it felt. I remember the tears, and, 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 and I think, I mean, when, when we do that song, The Stand, I'll Stand, with arms high and heart abandoned, oh, oh I, I, it just, it gets all over me. It must be my favorite song in the whole world, at least it is this week, because <laughs> it's so real, and it's genuine, and I don't blush when I sing it. It's just, it's just there. And then how many of you are fathers? Not a woman in the place, raise their head. <laughs> and I didn't expect them to, quite honestly, because I would have suspected they were lying if they had done so. I think you have to be a father to truly understand the emotion here. And look, I... There's a mother thing going on too, okay? I mean, mothers have, have a thing with, with their kids that fathers can't really plug into, can't really understand. But, but this thing about the, the prodigal coming home, oh my goodness. I remember one Sunday at, at the Lord's Chapel, uh, this guy was preaching and he got through preaching and he you know, said, anyone who wants to give their life to Jesus, come forward. And there was, young, there was a young man there who I had known him uh, since he was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And he was now, what, how old you are when you're this tall? <laughs> and he, you know, he came forward. And I will never forget the sound that his father made 
when that boy came forward. As, as that father came running, just when he realized his son was up there, he just came running with everything he had down, down the aisle to the front of that church, wailing, and grabbed his son and picked him up in the air and just shook. And I thought, man, that's, that's, that's this. That's this. And, and not, not only that, uh, what an example. I mean, as we see, we're going to be talking about this, this father here in, in a few minutes. What an example to, to anybody who just raised their hand this last time. And then finally, how many of you are crusty older brothers who refuse to party? Didn't think I would get much of a response on that one. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was, when I was young, uh, and I would hear this story, it was all about the prodigal. And that, that was, that, it was, it's the prodigal son. It says right there in the Bible, the top, <laughs> the prodigal son. <laughs> Although what Jesus says is there was a man who had two sons. And the older I get, the more I realize it's really, I mean, this story is more and more for me about the older brother and not the younger one. But let's, let's look at all three of them real quickly. The prodigal comes to his dad and he says, give me my share. And Mario was talking about Olaf going and saying, I'm your son. Do you have anything for me? <laughs> and, uh, and the guy saying, no. Well, here's, here's the thing. When we come to God and say, give me my share. Let me do what I want to with my share. The answer is always yes. It's always yes. I mean, don't think in terms of money because that's not, that's not, that, that, that's ancillary to what he has given to you. What he has given to you is this body, this time, this health, this intelligence, these talents. And, it, and if, you, if you come to him and you go, hey, can I, you know, can I go use this body in degenerate living? Yeah. Yes, you can. can. Can I use these talents in a real selfish way? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty smart. Can I use that to oppress people? Yeah, you can do that. I'm not saying that God is going, that's what you should do. I'm saying he will not stop you. The answer is yes. You can do whatever you want to with what you've got. You've got, well, what about all these, these laws and all these rules and, and everything? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions. Well, actually, they are. Because if you want to break them, you can. He's not going to make you do this. The reason that he gave the laws, the reason that he gave the instructions, was so you'd know how to live in such a way that maybe bring a little joy and fruitfulness and fullness and meaning and depth into your life. But you can ignore all of it. You absolutely can you, you, can, you can do what you want to with it. That's, that's the way it works. That's what free will is. Parents, 
need to direct their children and, and help them to learn to make good choices. But you know what? Uh, they don't ever learn to make good choices till you let them make choices. When, and when they're, when they're real young, now you need to... Um, Margaret did this so well, I, I thought. Because when, when our kids were little, she never said, what do you want for breakfast? She said, do you want cereal or toast? Do you want eggs or... Well, she used to cook bacon. She didn't do that anymore. But, <laughs> you know, she, she was teaching them how to make choices. And instead of going, here's the universe, you know, little, little kids, I mean, they, she was going, learn how to make a choice here. And parents should do that. And, and, and God does that with us. But, but ultimately, the bottom line is that he goes, and there I said it, the bottom line, that's my, that's my tag word. Uh, but the, the, the bottom line is that you, you can do whatever you want to do. You really can. And so the, the son goes off to the distant country, and I love this analogy because it's a perfect analogy for anywhere away from the father. And it does not have to be a geographic location. It can be a geographic location, but it can be a location of the heart. It can be a location of the mind. It, it can be a location of the emotions. It's somewhere away from where father is, and it's, it's expensive to live in the distant country. It costs to live there. <laughs> Isaac, my, our, our son, uh, is, is, is a pretty smart guy. And probably one of the smartest things he ever did is up until the day he got married, he always lived at home because it was free. <laughs> it didn't cost anything. No, I mean, there was all, and there was food there. Food there, laundry service, maid service, the whole thing. All he had to do was go to school or, you know, have a job or something. And, but he, and, and he, he knew a good thing when he saw it. But you leave the father's house, and there's no place else that it's free. It cost. It, it, it began to cost something. And while you've still got money, while you've got... New York City is a great place if you have money. If you don't have money, it's a rough place. The distant country, as long as you've got to spend, and I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, uh, uh, cold, hard cash here. As long as you've got emotional resources, as long as you've still got life inside of you, as long as you've got... Uh, innocence, as long as you've got these, this currency that the world deals in, as long as you've got it to spend, you can have a good time. But as soon as you're out, you discover, just like the prodigal did, that, hey, there's famine around here. There's want around here. There is always famine in the, in the distant country. The only reason why you didn't recognize it at first was because you were bringing something. But once what you were bringing was gone, there's nothing else there. And so he, he finally came to his senses, <laughs> went and got a job. <laughs> but he realized that you got to serve somebody, and you can either serve somebody that loves you, or you can serve somebody that uses you. So he came to his senses, and first thing he realized is, I'm starving. And that may seem so basic and so simple, but the truth of the matter is, there are, there are people who maybe are sitting in this room, who have emotionally been in, in the distant country for years. And spiritually, they hadn't had a meal. 
in years. And yet, they don't have the willingness to go, wait a minute, I'm really hungry. I'm really starving. And he realized that he was starving, and he also realized that nobody in his father's house was starving. Everybody there had plenty to eat. There was always food on the table. Yeah, you may be giving out in the Father's house just as you're giving out in the world. But in the Father's house, there's, there's more coming back in. In the world, you don't get anything back in, in the distant country. And he realized, I don't deserve to be his son. <laughs> he will receive us as sons and daughters, but we must understand, and we, and we just have to live with it and get over it, we don't deserve it. He doesn't receive us as sons and daughters because he doesn't need you. He, he just doesn't need you. He wants you. There's all the difference in the world between needing someone and wanting someone. There really is. And so he realized, I don't, I don't deserve to be called his son. But he also realized he won't refuse me. He knew what kind of man his father was. The same, the same one who said yes when he said, give me my inheritance. If I go back home, he'll at least give me a job. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what else is waiting for me, but he won't see me starve. He won't do that. And I think this is the thing that keeps so many people from returning to the Lord. This is the last hurdle, is, is believing that he will accept me. After all that I've done, after, ever, after what I've, where I've been, after what I've said about him, after all that I've done to try and pull people away from him. And let me tell you, man, when I left the church, I wanted to take a crowd with me. I really did. That, that was just... That was just what was inside of me, to finally come to the place that, real, that you give up and you realize, you know what? <laughs> he, he, he doesn't need me. He's not threatened by me either. He just loves me. He will receive me. So he came to his senses, and when you start looking at the father, the father saw the son. While he was still a long way off, it says. And so therefore, since he called him while he was a long way off, I don't think it was one of those deals where he was, you know, chopping wood or something, just happened to go, what is that out there? You know, no, uh-uh. no, he was, he was scanning the horizon. He was, he was looking for him. They used to sing a song, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. And... I'm glad we don't sing it anymore. <laughs> because the sense of it, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily agree with. It's not, there's an all CNI watching you, so you better behave. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. No, there's an all CNI watching you because he, he loves you. When, when my kids were growing up, when Isaac was, was playing ball, he was the only guy on the field far as I was concerned. Uh, it didn't matter. If he was playing right field, he was still the only guy on the field. Now, he only did that once or twice. He normally pitched. I was a coach. 
That's how that works. <laughs> Pitch your shortstop. Pitch your shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> but even when I wasn't the coach, he was the only guy out there. When, when, uh, when Arwen was in high school, she was a cheerleader. And, uh, no offense, Lauren, but Arwen was the only cheerleader on the squad. I mean, you know, when I went, I was just, that was, that was why I was there. When I, when I was in high school, I used to play football. And, uh, and I used to wonder, all the band parents would come to all the games. And I used to go, why does any, why are they here? Why would anybody come to a, to a football game to watch a band? When I became a parent, I realized that the reason why they were there was kind of the same reason why I was there. Uh, they were there going, get, get those guys off the field and let's see the band. And, and I was going, Where, when are the cheerleaders coming out? Because that's my daughter. Whenever Valerie does any, anything in public, you know what? There's, there's one person I'm looking at. Whenever she does plays and stuff, I mean, she didn't go to high school. She just did, yeah. <laughs> you should have heard me in the first service. Uh, but that's the way it is. They're your kids. They're your, they're your looking at. You're not looking at them to, to, to go, oh, my goodness, did you see that? No, you're looking at them to go, yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my girl. That's my boy. And in God's case, he's not looking at us so that he can punish us. He's not looking at you to see how you're going to mess up. How long would he have to look to see that? Not very long. He's looking at you to see if you're going to do something right. See if you're going to do something good. See if there's something there that he can... Fan into flame so that it so they can grow bigger when he sees something in your life. So the so he saw the sun and then it and then it also says that he ran to the sun. My dad used to say, You take one step toward God, God takes two toward you. No, no, he runs. You take one step toward God, he runs toward you. That's exactly what he does. Just, just like that father that I was talking about at the Lord's Chapel who came running. I mean, he didn't have to go running down the aisle for his son to come back to the Lord. He wanted to. He wanted to. And when God, when God sees that opening in our lives, he hits the hole. He's there. Not only did he see his son, not only did he run to the son, but when the son got ready to say, why don't you make me one of your hired servants, he didn't give him a chance to say that. Because see, the father's not looking for servants. He had plenty of servants. He's not looking for slaves. You know, if God wants more servants, all he's got to do is go... More servants. There they are. But if you're going to get more sons and daughters, see, he's only got one, only begotten son. And he sent him into the world to bring many sons into glory. The only way God's going to get more sons is for us to believe in Jesus Christ. It says over in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God, children born not of a natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It does not appear what we shall be like, but we know this. When we see him, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And then also about the father. The father knows how to throw a party. When I was out roaming around in the world, I thought I knew how to party. I didn't know how to party. I knew how to get crazy for a few hours every night. That's all I knew. I didn't really know how to do a party. God knows how to party. If, if, you, if you read over in, in the Old Testament, uh, David and Solomon and Hezekiah and some of those guys, I mean, when, they would, when they would party, it would be like, let's invite the whole nation and let's do it for a week. And then when it's over, let's go, how many of y'all want to do it another week? And they'll go, yay! So we'll do it for another week. And, and, and they're, just, they're just little reflections of God. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this is actually going to happen or not, but wouldn't it be so cool? You, you get up in heaven, you're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, everybody's throwing down, and, and God stands up and goes, anybody want to do another thousand years? Yeah. And you may go, well, they, you know, that's the way they partied back in those days. Yeah, I know the Romans and all those guys did that, but there's a a, a real significant difference in what they did and what God's people did. Uh, And it can really be summed up in one word, vomitorium. Yeah, I was told not to use it, but I thought, you know, it'll make people quit thinking about lunch. Because <laughs> the kind of partying they did, you had to get rid of it to do some more. Now, the kind of partying God does. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The blessings of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. Not ever. And and Jesus talked so much in terms of of a party. There was a a rich man who gave a banquet and invited everyone to his house. There was a a man whose son was getting married and invited everyone to the wedding. This is is how the father knows how to party. He really does. Bring bring the best robe and put it on him. Get get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And that that big old fat calf, go get it. We're going to party. And then we, uh, we come to the last one, the one that none of us identify with. <laughs> the older brother who's out in the field. Working isn't a bad thing, but I mean, he seemed to kind of have the Martha syndrome. You know? it, it, sometimes, sometimes you work because you love work. Sometimes you work because you love someone. Sometimes you work to not be with someone. And when he came to the house and there's a party going on, 
It's not like he was going, all right, we're having another party. It was, it was not like, this is my house. Let me open the door and see what's going on. Happy faces all around. This is a good thing. No, he was suspicious. He was like, what is this? What is happening here? Most of you have heard me, many of you have heard me say the first, the first six months I was at church here, no one laughed at any of my jokes. <laughs> and in fact, it was sort of like anti-laughter. <laughs> Rhonda Frazier makes up for a lot of things. <laughs> but I mean, it was sort of like... Mm. This guy's not serious. Yes, I'm serious. I am serious about really enjoying the Lord. That's what I'm serious about. And so the older brother comes in and he doesn't, he doesn't check it out. He doesn't ask the father. He calls a servant. That tells you something about his relationship with his father right there. He calls a servant and goes, what's, what's going on? What's What's happening? And in fact, he, he probably would have said something like, tell me this is not because he who must not be named. <laughs> has come home. But it was. And so he became angry and he played the no one should be happy if I am not happy card. You ever played that one? Yes, you have. (laughs) You ever seen anybody play it? Yes, you have. And then the father, the father goes out to him and pleads with him. Wow. Wow. I mean, what, what we see here is a small, selfish child becoming very childish. You have to become like a child to enter the kingdom, but not become childish. That'll keep you out of the kingdom. And a magnificent, mature, loving father, the same father who welcomed the prodigal home, showed just as much grace to this brother. You know what? If I were throwing, if I was his dad and I was throwing a party because the brother had come home and he's not dead and he's and he's back in the fold again, and older brother comes along and goes, I'm not going to this party. Nobody should be partying because of. My reaction would tend to be, let me get my belt off here, boy. I I will teach you something. And that would be most of our reactions. But not this one. I mean, the grace that he shows. Wow. It's, It's overwhelming. The elder brother... What he says to him is very, very telling. Look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and you and never disobeyed your orders. 
I kept the law. I didn't break the rules. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. The older brother considered his time with the father to be slaving. Slavery. The father doesn't look at us and treat us as slaves. The father doesn't look at us and treat us as servants. But we can certainly turn ourselves into slaves. We can turn, our, we can turn ourselves into something less than sons in our own heart. That's not how God looks at us. But sometimes that's how we look at ourselves. He considered it to be slaving, and and he said his brother had squandered all of your property with prostitutes. By claiming that the the prodigal... See, uh, Jesus didn't say the the younger brother had been with prostitutes. He He just said that he... Spend all his money in wild living. Here's all kinds of wild living you can do. Some of it involves prostitutes, some of it doesn't. And what the elder brother was actually doing was revealing his own heart. He's going, that's what I would have done. If I'd been him and taken all that money and done something with it. Whenever, a couple of things here. Uh, First of all, whenever we look at somebody else and we assume that we know what they did or we assume that we know why they did something, what we're actually revealing is what we would have done and why we would have done it because we can't see into their hearts. And then then secondly here, while it's good, if, if you know something's wrong, it's good to not do it. But to nurse the desire to do it is essentially the same thing as doing it. It's what Jesus said. He said, you've heard, don't murder. I tell you, if you hate somebody in your heart enough and you want to murder them, uh, you've, you've already done it in your heart. Don't commit adultery. But, you know, if you if you got that eye going around and going, ooh, boy, I sure would like. Yeah, you've already done it in your heart. Now, I'm not saying, you know, then just go ahead and, and give in and do it. But, but what, what tends to happen when we don't go ahead and give in and do it, we decide, well, I can cut myself a little slack and think about it. Because I didn't actually do it. And it's just as poisonous. It, it's, it will do just as much damage to our lives, to our souls. The idea is to actually be set free from the power of whatever that thing is. And that comes from relationship with the Father. (laughs) And then, I love this. You never gave me even so much as a young goat to party with my friends. First of all, would the Father have refused him? I mean, you know, would this Father, if he'd come to him and gone, can I have a goat, please, to have a party? You know, would this Father have gone, no. Don't think so. But if you're going to have, in order to party with your friends, you need two things. One is friends. <laughs> and the other is you need to know how to party. And my idea of a party isn't a young goat. 
That's about the best this guy could work up. <laughs> Let's all go over to Billy's house. <laughs> he's, he's got a young goat. <laughs> yeah, that'll bring him in. <laughs> oh, older brother. And then he says, this son of yours. You know, he's basically trying to to disown his brother right there. And uh, you see, if I'm God's son and you're God's son, then if you got a problem with me, you just got to get over it. If I got a problem with you, I just got to get over it. Because if... If you're his son and I'm his son, then guess what that makes us? Brothers, we're we're linked up. And when we get to heaven, we are going to be so surprised at who some of these brothers are. (laughs) But they're our brothers. Close. The Father's words are just so marvelous here. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. My son, my son, even at our worst moments, even even when we've just really shown ourselves out big time, he still claims us. He still claims you, still claims me. You are always with me. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the talents, and I was saying that the the most valuable talent that God has given to any of us is our time. Because whatever else you can do, if you don't have time, it doesn't matter what else you can do. If you do have time, then you can make use of whatever else he's given to you. The most valuable talent he's given to us is our time, but the most valuable treasure that he's given to us is himself. And when we have him, we have everything else. We had to celebrate this brother. Yours was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. He sets things back in order. This is your brother. This is nothing less than life from the dead. This is nothing less than the lost being found. <sighs> I don't have time to this. Uh, yeah, I'll just give you the 30-second version of it. When Isaac was six years old, we went to South Africa and Johannesburg, and there's a there's an open air market there that covers like three square blocks and has has three stories with, with courtyards in between it. And Isaac and I went one place, and Margaret and Arwen went to shop for shoes, <laughs> of course. And uh, when Isaac and I went this this one place, I uh, we were at one of the little kiosks there, and I'm probably on the second level, and I was. I, and I, I turned around to look at something, and Isaac looked up and didn't see me, and he went running off down the stairs. 
And uh, when I turn back around, he's gone. And uh, I, I don't really have the, the time to go through the whole thing, but to make a long story short, uh, for the next close to an hour, my son was gone. And there, there, was, there was no intercom system. There was, the, the best they could do when I went to the office was give me a, 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 somebody to walk around with me and see if we could see him anywhere. Long story short, God found him. Think he sent an angel and won't spend the time to go there. But how do you think I felt when I saw him? How do you think I felt when, when, I, when he was gone? <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of the most, obviously I'll never forget it, one of the most overwhelming things that ever has happened in my life. Uh, this brother of yours was lost. Now he's found. We've got to celebrate. That calls for celebration. That calls for joy. Do you stand with me? For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. If you're here and you need prayer, you, you just come right behind them. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you're, maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you knew him at some point in time and you've just, you just been away. Would you come? If you're, if you're here, maybe you... Uh, maybe you have a prodigal that you've been praying for. Well, we'd like to pray with you as well. The altars are open. We're going to worship for just a few moments. If you don't need to come and pray, then uh, worship. Create an atmosphere, the Holy Spirit, to, to move in the lives of those who are coming. You, you may have some other need. Maybe, you, maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you have a financial need or something. You come. Uh, God answers prayer. We'd like to pray with you. Worship. I fix my eyes on you, the author of my faith, casting aside every sin and every way.
things. Um, this last week, we uh, started something new. Uh, so if you, if you tried to download the sermon or if you went on to look at the sermon online this last week, you actually got a video of it uh, rather than just uh, an MP3. And I think we're probably going to have that this next week as well. Uh, so basically, we're starting a video ministry. And if you want to be involved, uh, we need people to be involved uh, on all camera camera people uh, working aboard post-production if you'll see uh, if you know who Randy Pomeroy is uh, see him if you don't see me and I'll connect you with him that's that's how you get involved secondly this Wednesday night is uh, probably next to uh, Christmas Day service and uh, Carol's but candlelight and Easter the most anticipated evening of the year uh, as we have uh, Swack Factor, formerly SA's Got Talent. It's going to be fun. Uh, Charles is picking out his shirt. Uh, Arwen's, you know, practicing her niceness and Scott's practicing being gnarly. And uh, there's going to be some wonderful, wonderful uh, things happening that evening. Seven o'clock. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his son into the world to bring many sons into glory, many daughters into glory. May you have the joy and the fruitfulness and the fullness of being with the Father and belonging to him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.